Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. All right, everybody. Today, I want to welcome Rosalind Renee to the podcast. She is also a podcaster, and this is actually how we met. We're just getting to know each other, so you guys are going to have the opportunity to overhear our conversation of two mental health professionals who love Jesus and both working in this this uh, field to just get to know each other and talk about some of the things that are going on in our field of mental health and Christian faith. So Rosalind, welcome. You want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yes. Hi, y'all. My name is Rosalind Renee. I am an LMSW, so I have my master's degree in social work, and I am a podcaster. I am a podcaster for the Therapies of Christian Podcast, where I talk about all things mental health in Christ and the merging of the two. So my foundational belief is that God cares about our mental health completely, and so my I feel like one of the things that God has given me is a blessing is to be able to educate people on mental health, especially within the African-American community. I feel like a huge part of my audience is women. And so I just educate a lot of women on why mental health is important, but also really, really tying faith to it and really showing that God cares about our mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, so that's what I do. I am a wife. I am a mom. I've been married for a little over three years. I've been with my husband for nine years, so we've been together for a long, long time. <laughs> and um, I have a beautiful, beautiful baby boy who keeps me on my toes all the time. So, uh, yeah, girl, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. So I reached out to Rosalind because I was actually looking at podcast cover art, and I was like, "Oh, she looks good." And she, like, then I started listening to our podcast, and I was like, "Oh, she's doing like what I like to be doing, like talking about Christian faith and mental health." And mm-hmm. so I just decided, you know what, we need to collaborate. And so we're just here to talk a little bit about those two topics. And maybe Rosalind, would you like to tell us kind of? When did you notice that there was a need for this subject to be talked about? Oh, girl. Okay. So I'm going to try to, I'm like, you know, I'm really, really excited. So, um, so I'll give a little story time for myself. So back in 2018, I was smack dab in the middle of, well, between 2017, 2018, I was smack smack dab in the middle of an engagement with my husband, Mm -hmm. now husband. And I remember uh, working at the time and was really struggling with anxiety. And when we got engaged, I always tell people it was as if like the rush of my childhood came back to me. So I had a lot of childhood trauma at the time from that I was dealing with that I didn't know was really causing a lot of anxiety with getting married. I had this perception that me and my husband weren't going to make it. We were going to get divorced because that was the narrative and actually my experience that I saw growing up. And so I remember actually 
really, really struggling with anxiety closer to the time we got married. It was March 2018 we got married. And around maybe about November, December of 2017, I remember just thinking, like, I got to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. I had, of course, at the time, really um, had explored therapy and other aspects, but never at the point had the maturity level to really dig deep into what I was experiencing and what was going on with me. Even also at the time, there was no real narrative or no real, I guess, rush or fad or things in the culture that we're talking a lot about mental health especially as a christian like that was not a conversation sis and so really at the time i was like i just got to talk to someone started counseling january 2018 we got married in march of 2018 and i really started to begin to shift a lot related to my mental health because i was dealing with my stuff basically And so I remember having a conversation with God sometime in the spring of that year. And I said, God, I'm probably, I know I'm not the only Christian that has anxiety. And how come no one is talking about this? Like no one's talking. There was no like conversation of Jesus and therapy. I don't even think at the time Instagram was like as huge as it is now where I think it was even when you posted it, the posts were still in chronological order. Mm -hmm. Like it was, like that's how Alonga was to me in my mind. And so there was no one talking about it. And so I said, you know what? I want to do a little Facebook live. I just want to share my story. And I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, no one's going to listen. And I think that was even when Facebook started doing live streams. And so um, at the time before that, I had a network marketing business. I was a part of a network marketing business. And part of that business, they talked about going live and sharing the products and all that kind of stuff. So I had already kind of had an introduction to doing lives and being on camera. Mm-hmm. So I shared, I did a little, I did two, two videos, announced it. It was like, I'm going to do it. And I called it Therapy as a Christian. Didn't really register in my mind that that's what it was. Yeah. Um, did the two live streams, let it go. I was like, oh, great. Okay. I shared my story. It is what it is. People listened. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to ever do that again. Why are, <laughs> Why are people listening to me? But I was like, oh my God, people like the video. They watched the video. It was just like the playback. So it was like maybe like 150 people. I'm like, oh my God, who are these 150 people that watch this video? And so I took that as like data for myself of, okay, maybe this might be a thing let it go. And then I remember summertime, my mom actually had cancer. And so I went to um, visit her to actually kind of help her during her process of getting chemo. Mm -hmm. And the Lord spoke to me about, he kept pressing on my heart about doing it again. And he, I remember him saying to me, interview other people. And I said, Lord, I don't know anybody. Like, who do (laughs) I know that are Christians that have been in therapy? And three people came to my mind immediately. So I was a little hesitant at first because I said, well, nobody's really going to listen. Like, I think that that's that always that thought, especially when we don't see traction with things. We immediately think no one's going to listen or no one's going to care or this is not valuable, even though in our hearts we're burdened mm-hmm. with with something that is very, very important. Did the interviews and hundreds. Oh, my gosh. One, one of the videos got like a thousand views. Those live streams. Mm -hmm. just talking about their experience as a person, as a Christian in therapy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) this is something. And 
I don't know what this is, but I am not about to do this. You know, we run away from anything that's like attention to us, attention, attention, attention. At least that was it for me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so as, as I was doing this, I realized that mental health was really a huge thing. And I think I had just graduated two years prior. So it was still very fresh as a grad student, mm-hmm. um, an early clinician at that as well. And I just was like, well, you know what, God, I don't know. So, so I had a friend at the time who was like, you should do a podcast. You talk all the time. You should do a podcast. <laughs> I'm like, girl, I talk too much. They don't want to listen to me. Anyways, launched the, po- launched the podcast. And almost three years later, I've been doing it almost every week mm-hmm. for the past three years. And it has completely changed my life in the sense of knowing and educating people in this space. Yeah. Um, and so the podcast itself is just like a great uh, segue for me to share this story. But I think that more and more as we have experienced, especially COVID, but also in general, becoming more aware of why going to therapy is valuable. I still think there's still huge stigma. Yeah. I don't think the stigma is, is alleviated. Um, there's no conversation about that. I think millennials especially are really exploring the aspect of mm-hmm. What is the trauma I experienced as a kid that's impacting me now? We're more educated in it. Um, And so I think that that started the conversation. But there's still a huge gap in mental health and God. Like a lot of people, especially if you're growing up, the idea of God caring about your mental health never was a discussion. So we don't think it exists. Um, And so that's kind of where that started. And I feel like there's a part of me that's, um, with other amazing people as well as yourself, and they're just pioneering this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're seeing more people that are stepping up to talk about this. Even people who are more of like in the, the Bible teaching realm are starting to talk about your thoughts matter. Like if you look at some of the titles of Christian books that have been published in the last year, like people are starting to talk about it. But there's still a stigma in the church. There's still a lot of churches that are not comfortable with psychology or counseling. They're still saying, you know, if you're having this problem, then you're not trusting God. Or if you're having Ooh. having a mental health or emotional issue, then you need to pray more or you should really be in Bible study or, you know, it's some like only God can heal you. Whereas we're saying God put this knowledge and these people with wisdom who are Christian clinicians that are going to help you like stay true to your beliefs and in your uh, walk with God, but also use uh, techniques that are going to help you overcome actual like mental and emotional problems. Yep. Yep. And I think the thing that you, you, you touched on a couple amazing things. (laughs) I think we need practical because we're still practical. We're still human. Like God tells us we should eat food and like wash our bodies and yeah. wear clothes. Like those are practical things, but there's a huge part of us that is very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And a part of that as well is, I think there's really not a lot of biblical teaching on in the word, in the Bible. There is so, I mean, like the scriptures are flooded with mental health. There's so there's so many things in the Bible that are that are talking about scriptures that are flooded with mental health and talking about, like you said, with thoughts like Romans 12 and two, be, be renewed by your mind. But in, in the NLT version, I love the translation of that. It says God wants to transform you by transforming the way you think. Mm-hmm. 
So if he if God can transform the way I think, then my behavior is gonna do is gonna change automatically. It doesn't say like change your behavior and all that stuff will shift. When Jesus came and he was teaching, he was teaching and helping the disciples think more, like think deeper into things. Really, he, when he taught parables, he was teaching like different areas. That's why we can get revelations on different things. Um, taking every thought captive. Like, why will we need to take thoughts captive? Why will we need to take the things we're thinking and really uh, um, show evidence of them and say, how does this line up with the word? It says, take your thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of Christ. How can I bring thoughts into the obedience of Christ if I'm not bringing them to the truth, which is the word of God? Um, and so as a clinician and a Christian, we're going, oh, well, this is cognitive behavior therapy. And so like we think Girl. that that counselors or psychologists created this, what, 50, 60 years ago, but really God created it at the beginning of time. <laughs> Exactly. And so the wisdom of that and knowing that CBT is like one of the most used treatment modalities within the within the therapy space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like you and I could probably just kind of go off on this for a while because Mm -hmm. we're so passionate about it. But one of the things I wanted to ask, like people can probably hear in our voices, I'm white, you're black. We both have, we have different audiences, but maybe (laughs) (laughs) we have different voices, different audiences, but we have the same passion. Um, One of the things that I remember learning because I went to seminary, um, I remember learning, okay, if you're working with black Christians, you got to know that they're probably going to their pastor before they're coming to you. And so, Mm -hmm. yep, yep. When it comes to cultural competence, like they, they try to hit on, you know, all the different cultures that you might see in your office. But really, if you're not part of that culture, you're not going to have the depth of understanding. So talk to yes. me about that. Like when you see black Christians, are, are you like a second choice after they've been to their pastor and couldn't get help? Or like, how does that work? Yeah. 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 So let's get some let's get some background with this. So especially as I've I've been in this space, there has been some um, definite like wanting to understand this as a as a black woman, um, because I definitely and proudly stand as a black woman. But I definitely think that there are some education things behind it. As a, if we look at slavery, if we look at you know civil rights, if we look at all of those things, there was a intimacy with the black church. There was an intimacy with being able to worship together. That was something that went way back to slavery. And so because of that, there is a sacredness of honoring, respecting the people that pour into you in that aspect. Mm -hmm. But also the other thing with that, especially within the black church is there's this feeling of, well, they have a knowledge base that I don't know. And so feeling that you can come to someone that is in a faith space Mm -hmm. and honoring them in that it, it, it also comes back to the secrecy of um, the secrecy and that you don't want to, in the slave time, you didn't really share a lot. Yeah. Like there's even aspects and research behind, like in the black culture, um, there was a video, I'd love to share this with you, Anne, where okay. a black mom who comes into a school and, uh, oh, this, and it was so true. A black mom coming into a school with a black son and they, the black son actually is like a A student, all this. Mom, a white mom comes into the school, son, same, makes all A's, all of this. 
both of them have star students. But when um, the parents talk about the talk about the children, the black mom represents. Oh well, he's just not like he doesn't do he he ain't doing good. Like he he needs to be doing more. All this kind of stuff. So there's this the shaming a little bit mm-hmm. out of a lot of times making them be achievers. Okay. And even though if you ask the mom, they're proud of their child, but there's an aspect of it where they should be doing more. And a part of that is protection because in the slave times, if the master comes to you and asks you about your kid, you're going to say, oh no, they're not that good. They're not that yeah. good. They're not that great out of protection so they don't get sold. Yeah. And so there's a there's this culture thing of us like wanting to keep things very secretive and keep things to ourselves and so we keep it within our culture and we don't like have the asset to explore now granted that can be in the thing of especially within research having the duality of if my clinician knows and understands me there's there's an aspect of me that gets better Mm -hmm. Um, but I have a lot of friends too that have other races as their therapists and they're they do well so I think there's, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things within our culture that we do out of what we grew up seeing. Um, you keep things in this house. You don't, you don't share it. Um, exploring what it looks like. You come to your mom first. You come to your dad first out of honor. There's a big thing with honor. And so I think when it comes to like in the church setting of going to your pastor first, it really comes to a thing of like, well, if I go see therapy, I must be crazy. Mm-hmm. Or or kind of what we talked about, where it's you go pray about it and you pray to God about it. But where are the practical tools? And I think that was the thing for me is like, I'm very much so a believer in God. I'm very much so a believer in the Holy Spirit and what he can do. There is more that I could, I understood, especially for me, the blessings that I didn't grow up in a super religious church where there was like, a, B, C, D, F, G, you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. Thank, mm-hmm. Like, praise God for that. But there are certain cultures, especially within in the Black culture, where that is what they're taught. Mm-hmm. That is what, out of respect, and your parents don't know anything else, so that's what they teach the kids. Yeah. And so I think um, people come to me, there's this sense that I think, and I think the blessing a part of, especially my audience, is that I'm very authentic and I share myself. I share that part of myself. So there's a, that seems like that's familiar to me, but I don't really know. How do you know that girl? Like I've had, (laughs) I've had clients recently say to me, like, how do you know that? And I'm like, Holy Spirit, probably because I don't have the authority and power to do that. Only God does. Mm -hmm. But if I share my story, the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the land, by the word of our testimony. So with that being said, I think that that can really help break down the narrative of, Mm-hmm. You have to go to a pastor first. Well, really, because you have a relationship with Christ, you can go to Christ first and God can provide you with so many confirmations in other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the things that I worry about, no matter what color your skin is or cultural background is, like, if you're a pastor, do you have the tools to give to people? And so, like, one of the things I'm, I'm interested in is networking with pastors so that they know that there are, like, fully devoted Christ followers who are practicing therapy <laughs> that they can send people to that are going to understand their, their cultural differences or understand their values as a Christian and then still help them with, like, the real, like, relationship problems yeah. or, or mm-hmm. mental health problems, you know? Mm-hmm. 
yeah and i think like you said the exploring and the equipping like I, the equipping is big because i think um mental health is so much deeper than just prayer if you're a christian therapist or christian clinician it's more than just prayer reading the word communing with god there's a real sometimes there are people that are really hurting on some deep-rooted things mm -hmm. like sexual trauma or domestic violence or anxiety or rejection mm -hmm. or parental trauma or parental trauma yeah. or traumatic births like if i go to my pastor he may not know how to help me deal with a traumatic birth and what that was like for me yeah. and so i think like you said knowing and equipping but also being able to know that there are much more resources mm -hmm. that are out there that can assist with these things that aren't just limited and because it's limited to a building but more so because we're a part of the body of believers yeah. there is something that you may be an arm in whereas a pastor may be a leg mm -hmm. like you need both parts yeah. but also there's part of the body so the body within itself and like, like, like Paul talks about different members of the body do different things, but they're all part of the same body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, your audience is probably a little bit different than mine, mm -hmm. just because mm -hmm. of natural circles and everything. Yes. Um, what, what do you think, what, what's something else you'd like to share about like some of the cultural differences? So, um, to be surprised though, like to, I'll be honest, because I do have a lot of people that listen to my podcast and have reached out to me that are of different races. Yeah. Um, and they say the same thing, like even though we may have different differences and the problems are still the same. Mm -hmm. Like, and you my sis. Like, mm -hmm. even though I'm saying it like <laughs> saying you know, like that, I would never say sis that. in the way that you say sis, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but at the end of the day, you're still my sis because okay. the problems that arise are still the same. Yeah. So the blood, st the blood still runs the same. Mm -hmm. I think culturally, the differences are, you know, an array of different things. I think, you know, I can, I can speak about my experience as a black woman that is different from yours, mm -hmm. like as a woman in general. But same, we may have the same issues as moms. We may yeah. have the same issues in marriage we may have the same issues in those things so i think culturally there's a there are big differences there are big differences but a lot of times i think they are a lot of the things are the same there are so many differences because rejection may feel the same to you as it feels to me mm -hmm. anxiety and worry feels the same difference as you as it is to me i think we're talking about race and going into those aspects that's when we can get a little bit deeper and talk about that but as far as culture um i just think that especially when we're talking about as african-american i think it's really addressing the secrecy and like the the not really wanting to share because we feel crazy and also too i think as black people we have this very we have we definitely walk with pride in the sense of who we are and so there's a pride and i think in a beauty of it now where we can be prideful openly mm -hmm. so there's a there's a I want to say a little dust on like a little bit of a, a move on our shoulder a little bit with that. But <laughs> culturally, I think the problems are still the same. Whereas someone who has a, who might've been white might have experienced sexual trauma, black, the same, those emotions are still the same. Yeah. Like I really do believe that. Mm -hmm. So um, that's my take on it. Now people can have a different out view of it, but that's definitely how I feel. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I know that you do like a workshop for people who need to find a therapist. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, so the workshop is called Help Me Find a Therapist. And essentially, I really, I always get the question of, can you refer a therapist to me? Well, since I live in Tennessee, so my recommendations are very limited to you. Yeah. Um, and so I always also get the, the question of, um, do you have, do you know a Christian therapist? Cause they're, they're, that's becoming a thing now as well. And I know we have like better help and faithful counseling and those online platforms that offer therapy, but finding, um, Christian therapists on psychology today, like those, like nobody knows how to look for that. So I teach in the class, how to find an African-American therapist, how you can find a Christian therapist, how you can utilize insurance, how you can utilize sliding scale fees, how you can pay low cost options um, and, and those things. So if you're someone who's really interested in finding a therapist, additionally with that, I also offer a um, question companion guide, which basically when you call to set up an appointment or have your first appointment, what questions you and the therapist can have to see if you all are a good fit because yeah. Some clinicians are very skilled in one area versus others aren't. So we, so I talk about that as well on um, the share that companion guide. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, www.helpmefindthetherapist.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. I, and I will put that in show notes. But I wanted to make sure that people heard you talk about that because I did, I think it was episode three of this podcast. I talked about like, how do you find a therapist? You know, like, how do you do psychology today? How do you do insurance? Like all those things. But for somebody who might need like a little bit more guidance and wants like the full rundown, I mean, yep. Like they can sign up to do your workshop. They can get that companion guide and they can have all the questions that they want to ask. And that's super helpful because it is, it's mystifying, especially when you're at that point when you're like, oh my gosh, I need to have a therapist because you're depressed or you're anxious or your marriage is falling apart or there's been some kind of trauma. And that's like the last moment of your life when you need to like go search online for somebody, yeah. right? <laughs> like it's so hard. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that people like you are helping out just so that people can feel more confident about making the selection. Yep. And going to therapy does not mean you're crazy. Right. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And I also talk about that a good portion of what therapists, you know, work with are very, very like basic and practical things like job stress and yeah. But you said marriages and parenting and like, what does that look like on a daily basis to have overall well-being in these spaces? Yeah. So it's not just for people who might have more serious mental health, more serious mental health issues where they're taking um, psychotropic medications or those things and they're having to see a psychiatrist. But even then, there's still nothing wrong with that. Just being able to have those discussions to know that you can find someone, even if that's not where you are right now in your mental health journey. Yeah. Sometimes it's, you just need help sorting out, like, like you said, a parenting difficulty. Like sometimes I feel a lot of my job is like interpreter. So (laughs) I'll have like man on my couch and woman on my couch and they're, they're talking, but they don't know what they're like. One person is not hearing what the other person's saying. And so I'm interpreting that or I'm saying to a woman, no, say this to your teenage daughter and this will help you 
you know, break down that communication. And so that's nothing, really has nothing to do with you being crazy or having a mental health issue, even though we call this like broadly the sphere of mental health, like some of it is just normal life and relationship stuff. Exactly. Helping somebody like navigate through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes we need friends that we pay for. Oh, yes, girl. (laughs) Because I promise you, I paid a beautiful penny to my therapist and will gladly keep paying my money to her because yeah. she's extremely worth it. Yeah. Rosalyn, tell us a little bit about your experience in therapy. Oh, yeah. Oh, girl. Okay. What do you want me to start? <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned that you uh, knew you were having some anxiety before you got married and that you needed to find somebody to talk to. How'd you find your therapist? Um, so I randomly found her on Open Path Collective, okay. um, which is a website I talk about on my uh, webinar. And just mm-hmm. it's a website where you can find a therapist for very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And so I found her randomly on there, called her up. She was very, very welcoming on the phone. That was the thing that caught my attention so fast with her. She was so welcoming. Um, and I, you know, you have the initial thought you're going to just go, oh, I'm struggling with some anxiety. You know, that's really what's going on. I just need to you downplay it a little bit. Oh, girl. <laughs> but just also out of just the lack of awareness of like, I just feel like I need to talk to somebody, but I don't really know why. And so she, I had no idea. Like, I just genuinely did not know what it would turn into. Um, I was really struggling with a lot of childhood trauma, um, a lot of lack of worthiness, self-esteem. I was extremely hard on myself, very much so like struggled with perfectionism. Mm -hmm. I did not know how to use my voice. So like who you see sitting in front of you would have never done Anne. Yeah. I would have never felt confident that I could be myself. That was one big thing. Be me as a Christian. Yeah. Like, cause I always say like, I'm me and it's very like big and super big personality. I always felt like I had to downplay that as a Christian because Mm -hmm. I felt like Christ, you know, you gotta be this way. You gotta be that way that you can't authentically be yourself. That was another thing for me. Um, So we talked a lot about worthiness, really. Like we really broke down my unhealthy view of God. This is why I always say like, Having a clinician that understands the Lord and really can help you really see the true nature of God, mm-hmm. the reality of who God is, not what society and people tell you he is, but really you get to experience the love of God yourself and really begin to unbox the unhealthy perspective you may have of him, of him being this dictator and being this one that's just angry with you all the time or doesn't like you or that because you do something wrong, you're just shameful. You just feel condemned all the time and punished all the time that the we don't approach God. We don't go to him. Like we hear this, what we have to do, but it feels more of a duty and a chore versus relationship. Yeah. I did not know that that was an unhealthy perspective based in my earthly relationship with my own dad. I did not, I didn't connect those two. Mm. So that was something we really discussed. Um, I really talked a lot about my marriage and how a lot of times, like, I'm so different from my husband and, like, how that's a benefit more so than it is a thing. I, I As a woman, I want him to be like me. And, like, I wanted him to show up like me. Like, you need to be on top of everything. And that's just not who he is. Right. So, like, really breaking down the expectation 
um, really dealing with me and my mom's relationship. So there's so many things that we explored um, throughout the three, three and a half years we've been together. And it's just been so, so, so amazing. A lot of fasting and prayer on my end. So that's how I coupled a lot of my spiritual journey with with God um, through therapy was a lot of fasting and prayer to really reveal what were the areas of my life, God, that I did not give to you? Um, How do I, how do I genuinely repent and walk away from things that I really don't want to do desires that I have um, and really deal with forgiveness and forgiving other people and letting people, if they disappoint me, my reaction, not be based on what they do and how not to pick up the people's stuff up and boundaries. (laughs) And so, just all those layers and layers and layers of things that you still work through. Yeah. Like I'm still working through those things, but the awareness that God brings in the space when you give him space, like God wants to take a residence and Christ wants to take a residence. Mm-hmm. But the problem is we haven't been taught practically, especially like in the church spaces, how to really allow God residence yeah. and surrendering is more than just saying, Oh God, take, you know, have this. It is the work. Yeah. It's the work. It's the processing. It's the daily digging and really clawing at the scars a little mm-hmm. bit to really open up those things yeah. to let God have the, that residence. Yeah. A lot of people don't think that it should be work. Oh, know? it's work. That like you should, like if you're getting healed, it should just feel like magical and easy and comfortable, but Girl, it's, no. it's work. <laughs> work and it's hard it, it's like it's hard it's hard there yeah. there were more times i would go into therapy so happy like this and would leave crying <laughs> yeah. because just the breakthroughs are hard it's physically yeah. exhausting yeah. on top of emotionally being exhausting mm-hmm. as a client but also even understanding it in a different layer as a clinician mm-hmm. um but i will say it's made me a better um it's made me a better business owner. It's made me a better mom. It's made me a better wife. Mm-hmm. It's it's infiltrated every area of my life because I do feel like the Bible says you work out your salvation mm-hmm. with fear and trembling. You work it. You work it out, yeah. and so that's a big part of it. Yeah. So you have this this voice where you're teaching people and I really want people to be able to go and listen to your podcast therapy as a Christian. It's on all of the major players. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see how cute she is. Thanks, girl. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have to tell you, I really liked, um, I know you have, you have a variety of different types of episodes. Some of them you're teaching, some of them you're interviewing somebody and some of them you're kind of just sharing from your heart what's going on. Um, there, there was a moment I think it was about two weeks ago or something. I was listening to you just like going through the process with God. Like, like, what are you doing with my life? Why is this not going the way that I thought it was going? Where are you taking me? And talk about it, girl, because we go yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So when I heard that, like my heart just kind of lit up for you because, you know, I'm, I'm a mom too. I think I, I texted you right as I was listening to it. I messaged you on Instagram and I'm like, listen, like I had three babies before I got my license and I took my licensure so exam. encouraged me so much. You don't even relax. <laughs> yeah. When I was, when I was taking my licensure exams, I was nine months pregnant with my third. So I had toddler at home. I had a kindergartner at home and then I had 
the the one coming and I was literally thinking should I write the board and tell them that I need more time because I'm gonna have to go pee <laughs> the test you know because when you're nine months pregnant and you have a baby on your bladder you're going to have to mm. and I decided no I'm just gonna try to work really quickly I had my mom she drove to the appointment for the test with me and she was walking around prayer walking around the building like the walls of Jericho for four hours while I'm taking the test (laughs) and so when I heard you talking about you know just like the struggle of like where's this path going and I was like oh I gotta reach out and talk to her because like we're like we're moms we love Jesus and we love mental health and we gotta do this Um, yeah yeah Yeah, and, and God has given me a lot of confirmation that that is not the end of that story for me um multiple times because I'd, I'd asked him like I think I think a part of it is because this is so part of my purpose there's so much warfare over it like and, and I and I say that as a means of like um not speaking negatively on it but the resistance and me pushing through for that is so, so, so important. Yeah. And so I feel like there's constant tests that I go through, not in a bad way, but just super, super perseverance. Like in James, it talks about like kind of all joy when we go through various trials mm-hmm. because the testing of your faith is producing patience. Yeah. And so because I've been patient on God with this area, first of all, when I took my first test, girl, I, I don't know who told me as a breastfeeding mom. <laughs> To yep. take your test before yep. your child is six weeks old. You to took it your, as a newborn. I a took newborn? it like a month when a lot, like a oh, month no, no, no. You see, when I, I was, was looking at, cars, girl, I was looking at my hours being done and being eligible that to take the me. test. That was me. I was like, my yeah. hours are good, and I had the baby, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna take the test. No, no, my goal was before this baby comes out, I have to get my license because. If the baby comes out, I know what newborn period. See, this was my third. So I know what the newborn period is like, and I'm not going to do it. Your brain doesn't work. You know, I'm not going to do it. So I yeah. I took that test. Two weeks later, baby popped out. So. Yep, yep. And so I took the test then, and then took it again. Um, and my baby boy was still home with me. He hadn't started daycare. So, of course, I'm still like, and I'm also trying to run my business at that time too I also was um working again in my Mm -hmm. nine to five so I was like balancing a balancing act and then also two days later two days before my test my um because I breastfeed I had pumped so much milk I had over 100 bags of milk and my freezer was unplugged and I didn't realize it well, two days before my test, oh, no. so I also lost my entire milk stash. Oh, two days before my second test, girl, you could feel my pain. Yeah, yeah. Freezer randomly was unplugged. What? And I'm like, when oh, that I mean, I got, Like, okay, so what happened was we we moved our desk downstairs because they had been in my son's room before before we got pregnant. Because at the time, I I got pregnant during quarantine. So we moved our desk in here to work from home. Well, now he takes up residence in this room. We got to find another place for these desks. Moved him downstairs. I pushed up a nightstand up against the wall where the plug was. And apparently it pushed it on, on oh, out. No. So I didn't know. So it had probably been, the milk had probably been sitting for like two weeks. Oh my God. If I was pumping and feeding him, I had no reason to go to the stash. Well, I started a diet and then 
my milk was kind of changing and stuff. My doula was like, well, just go pull from your stash as you're like, you know, building it back up. And lost all my milk and over a hundred bags. So that really like impacted my whole mindset because I'm like thinking of all the sleepless nights and times I woke up three times a night to pump. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, God. And then I (laughs) didn't pass. And I said, God, why am I getting hit so hard? Like, you're hitting me right now. Like, like, Father, I, I understand. I can take some things. But this, I was like, I'm not my child's food, Lord. I was like, and I know you provide for your child. You are, you are a provisional father. But, but Lord, did you have to hit my baby's food? Like, I, like I, that was how I approached the father. And I was very honest. I said, God, this is not right. This isn't fair. This isn't fair. I didn't pass this test. And I'm like, I walked into this test full faith, confident, all the way down to the end. So when I saw fail, I was like, what? This is not it. <laughs> and so I believe, and this is my belief, but again, God has really confirmed a lot to me. I believe that there were a lot of things that I had to say yes to first, because I feel like if I had passed it, I would have used therapy to and like actually practicing as a clinician financially and like getting clients and all that kind of stuff to distract me from what I'm doing now related to like show up sis and all the things I'm doing with that. Yeah. And so he had to shift some stuff and I don't believe God gives you the okie doke kind of thing where he's, <laughs> you know, like causing bad things to happen, but he, I think he allows things to occur to, cause all things work together to, for good for us. But he was still he was still good because the other thing that's happened is I've had friends who breastfeed who have given me milk. Uh-huh. Why well, I built my stash back up with other people's milk. So like still a good daddy, even though I'm like, why are you hitting me so hard? He's like, I'm still going to provide for you. So I do believe that there's a there was just for me a moment of like me not being obedient to what I felt in my spirit I was trying to do. And when I was talking about the manipulation of your season, you choosing something that you thinking in your mind is like, oh, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. But God's really like, no, I've, I've told you, confirmed to you to do this. Mm-hmm. You're trying to like find a back way out. Yeah. So he had to show me like, you can't manipulate what I, what I call you to. You can't manipulate what I destined you to do. Yeah. And so that was for me a huge reminder that I'm not bigger than what I think I am. He's more controlled than me. So, so yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that you're saying yes to some other things as you wait on the Lord to see when, when maybe therapy is a thing, maybe it's never. So so (laughs) you've mentioned you're full-time entrepreneur now. So Mm -hmm. you are doing the podcast, you're Mm -hmm. doing the workshop. Mm -hmm. What are the other things that you're doing? Can you tell people about that? So I also, so I have a million and one things going on, girl. <laughs> so I, um, so I, I guess like I kind of see myself as an online entrepreneur because I do most of the work that I do within the online space. Um, and most of the clients that I serve are all in other states. So I have the blessing of being able to do a lot of the stuff that I'm doing in front of the computer. So I um, recently started a, uh, another part of my brand called Show Up Sis because I say this all the time. Yeah. And I've always been someone who loved time management, productivity, helping people learn how to balance stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that last year during the pandemic of just like strategy coaching related to that, because I found that when you're overwhelmed and your time and your time management, it impacts your mental health. Yep. 
So it kind of ties in some of the things that I know as a professional, but also too, what I found was that people really self-sabotage and self-sabotage and tell themselves they're not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not qualified enough. No one's going to listen to what I'm going to say, or no one's going to go after, or no one's going to pay attention to what I'm doing. We talk so down on our purposes and talk so down on what we know out of really kind of just like not having confidence, not having faith, but also just like this negative narrative, you know, negative self-talk that we tell ourselves all the time. And so with that being said, what I found was that with a lot of the clients that I helped with just time management coaching is what I basically did. Because they self-sabotage, they then procrastinate. They don't actually then go after and do. They stall, they hold back, and it becomes habitual for us. Mm-hmm. And so I really was like trying to teach people that if you want to show up and be the best version of yourself in all these areas of your life and show up and be who you are, not only in your mental health, but also for your family, for your purpose, for the things you want to do as a business owner, or if that's even the lane you're going, because I don't really specifically talk about business, um, but just being able to manage your time better, you got to show up. You got to show up, sis, is basically what I say. So I teach um, ambitious women of faith how to overcome self-sabotage and procrastination so that they can be, you know, more fulfilled, be more disciplined, productive, and create routines at work. So I have an eight-week program with that. Um, and I've, I really enjoy that so, so much. Also, I'm going there- through in my mind, like, who do I need to send to you? Okay. Yeah, send me, <laughs> send me my way. Um, yeah. That is an eight-week program that I do. Um, I also do which has a ton of different um, different offerings and things that I've done for that. And yeah, and then help me find a therapist. That's so great. That's one of, one of the things under therapy is a Christian. But those are like the two things that I do that tie into overall helping women overcome things spiritually, but also really, really, really just be better mentally and overall have better mental well-being. Oh, that's, it's super fun to meet like somebody so ambitious and so driven, but, but you really know your purpose. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that God has called you into this. And Mm -hmm. I always feel like when you meet somebody who is just like walking in their purpose, you can kind of almost feel like the electricity coming off of them. (laughs) Like I, I don't have you like in person here, we're on zoom, but like it, it's inspiring to people when you when you're around somebody who's walking in their purpose. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and know that purpose is, I feel like it's one of those things that you just do or go towards the burden that you feel on your heart is heavy. So like for you, it's like really educating clinicians on integrating mental health into their practice. Mm -hmm. That is a burden that I feel like, like when Christ came to the earth, he was burdened with the people and healing them and helping them. Paul was burdened with teaching the people the word and teaching them about Christ. Um, Moses was burdened to, to pull the children of Israel and Egypt. And so because of that, we're burdened and it's just really doing the things that work that we are, feel like in our heart to do. And I think purpose kind of just evolves because I don't feel like it's ever... Uh, in part like even now there's more I want to do but I but I think it's just now it's like enough people just know my name but you know that to me is like why do y'all know me like why are you (laughs) you ain't gotta know me sis like it's okay it's not that big deal I'm just a little girl from up from Memphis but at the same time it's how can I this burden that God has given me also is a gift 
that he wants me to help solve in the earth. Like how much of a beautiful gift that is to co-currently work with the Holy Spirit to bring something that God's heart is in into the earth. So that's how I see it. Um, and it's very, very important to me. And and also, Anne, like the work you're doing, like so valuable to people that there may be people who I would never touch that you'd be able to touch. And how beautiful is that, that God's hand can touch that yeah. Yeah. in all the areas of the, of the earth. And that he's kind of awakened us to seeing that he wants to do that movement with Ooh. people. Right? Girl. Yeah. Like how, like what a Privilege. beautiful gift. Yeah. What a beautiful gift and privilege and honor that's why i think it goes into like the goodness of the lord of goodness you play something in me and it matters to you like, how beautiful and like so again I always when i get those revelations i'm like who wouldn't want to serve a daddy like this like who would not want to serve a god this good um and so it's very exciting even on the days where it's really hard and no one listens and i don't feel like i know what i'm doing because there's most of the time i feel like i don't know what i'm doing um he always sends reminders of like yeah like you you do you do you during you're doing it matters it. yeah and i think like your projects might or your assignments might change over the time but like your purpose is still there because you still have that fire for god yep. that you yep. you want to make him known Mm -hmm. and that we really know what we're talking about (laughs) that he gives us the wisdom to really like we're educated in this so that's the beautiful part of it yeah well and then there's like the worldly education like we have master's degrees and we have experience and things like that but then there's like holy spirit education as well where sometimes things come out of your mouth that you didn't even know you could say (laughs) and I had that thought this morning. I said, Lord, some of the things that I'm recently finding is that you've been showing this to me or talking it out of my mouth. And I didn't know it was you. I just was thinking that it was, you know, I just thought I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> really, like, you have really opened up. And I just feel like that's beautiful. And again, it goes back to just giving God glory. I, in my own power, don't have that. I can't manifest that. I can't bring that out of me. That is the father himself. And that's the spirit. And so the only time truth can come out is when the Holy Spirit is acting because he's, because he's the spirit of truth. And that's what Jesus said. He would only speak what he hears. So I have that opportunity to be the temple that he just graciously allows me to be able to do this on a daily. And I feel like there's a grace for that. There's a grace to do what you're doing. There's a grace to do what I'm doing that I could never figure out myself I don't have that much power to do you know what I'm saying so um it's a beautiful thing and I think that that also means we're walking in our authority like we have authority in the earth because we have authority he gives us the ability to walk in that authority with power and boldness and all of that so yeah so I just want to say to my listeners real quick like if you were listening to this conversation did you hear how many times Rosalind quoted scripture to you and she wasn't like opening up a big fat bible and saying like and the word of the lord says she just it naturally just rolls off of her tongue that she knows the promises of god and so i i haven't talked about this very much on the podcast but one of my passions is biblical literacy like people need to Girl. read their bibles right and yes, so oh, Anne, that's my <laughs> she's like hugging me over there <laughs> 
but I, I really have a passion to help people understand the Bible and to know that you can read it for yourself and the Holy Spirit will teach you what it means. You don't have to depend on a pastor. Pastors are helpful, but you can read the Bible for yourself and you need to if you want to know God. And so when I hear you, like every other you know sentence, you're saying something that is right out of the scripture. I'm like, oh, here is a girl that has read her Bible. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, girl. Boot, boot camp okay okay <laughs> but again i'm gonna pull another scripture out but like again scripture is literally the spirit inspired it yeah and so with that being said like because god gives us the ability the study to show thyself to prove but again too i'm only able to do that for two reasons spending time in the word reading it it's written on like the bible talks about that um, your commandments will be written on my heart. Well, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when this is in my heart, it's in me, it's Mm -hmm. always going to come out of my mouth. The second reason is Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will bring back into remembrance things that he said. Yeah. And so when, when he speaks truth, God has an ability to, the Holy, and and when I spend time in the word and I dwell on the truth, Holy Spirit has been something to grab on that's in relation to something you may say. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we're able to evangelize. It's how we're able to share the word of the Lord, the good news. And it's, and, and I would love to get better where I can say, oh, this is from John, so-and-so and so-and-so. But I always am like, Google the, Google the scriptures. This is going to come up. Yeah. <laughs> also too, I think there's also this beautiful reference of that. There's a scripture for every single thing. Every single thing. Well, this is part of what we're doing in counseling too, right? Like we're listening to the client and they're pouring out their heart and we are searching our, you know, our own hearts to find something that's going to, that's going to work, you know, like that's going to help them or that's going to offer some comfort to them or a challenge to them. And a lot of those things come up because we've spent time in the word. And yes. so it, as we're listening, the Holy Spirit's working through us as Christian counselors to be able to bring that up. And sometimes it's a Bible verse, and sometimes I know the reference, and sometimes I don't. And other times it's a technique or a, an intervention that I learned in grad school or through reading. And so the Holy Spirit's working through both of those things to help yep, people in counseling. Yep, exactly. And and again, I'm bringing up another scripture, girl. Um, <laughs> See? The, the the Bible talks about the word of the word of God is alive and well. It literally illuminates. It shows us. It shows us the intentions of the heart. It pours it, it there. Every single thing that we could ever need is in the word. And like you said, the beautiful thing, like you said, is studying it, studying the Greek, Greek, Greek meanings of the words. When, when somebody introduced the concordance to me, it was as if they gave me a pile of gold, girl. Like, like seriously, just knowing the the definition of power and knowing like that is dunamis power, like dunamis mm-hmm. what and what dunamis means, mm-hmm. it's another layer. It's a whole mm-hmm. other thing. Like, Lord, you've given me that. That's mine. Yeah. And so that's where it comes into we perish for lack of knowledge because we really don't know the truth. We can't fight the enemy back if we don't know truth because all he's going to do is speak lies, but truth always overpowers that. And so um, it does take spending time in study. It does take getting before the, before the father, but really fasting prayer, like those things are, those are our weaponry. 
And it's and yeah, therapy is a strategy. Therapy is part of that weaponry. We have an arsenal of of tools: mm-hmm. prayer, fasting, spending time with the Father, communing with Him, communing with your brother, and like confessing your sins, being in right relationship with other people. Those things really encourage your spirit. Yeah. Um, and letting Holy Spirit have His way, like. Let him do what he do. let him. I always say, let him do what he does because yeah. he does it very well. Okay? <laughs> he knows what he's doing. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, so I know we could go on and on and on, but I want to ask girl, you. Like to talk about. Yeah, we could maybe later. Uh, I want to ask you because I do this with all my guests. Um, what's something that you're doing now for soul care? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I recently told myself I need a hobby that does not. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I said what I said was I need a hobby that can't be turned into a business, right? Um, because that's where my brain goes to. Um, for soul care, let's see. I recently started getting back um in front of God like every day. That that kind of got lost when I had my son. Yeah. So I would say that that is something I do for soul care. Um, long showers are mm. very very important to me um with essential oils so like sometimes i drop some lavender yeah. in the shower so it can steam up the shower so that's so, oh my god that's so beautiful to me um <laughs> what else do i do those are the top two things i can think of but really getting back in front of god oh self-care okay spending time with friends yeah. um girl that's just so like being able to be outside now yeah is just a different thing yeah um, so being with friends, being with yeah. friends constantly is just like so helpful to me. That's um, so those would be my top three. Yeah. You're taking care of your spirit. You're taking care of your body. You're taking care of your relationships. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's how you have a healthy soul, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, those are the three things I'm doing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rosalind. I, this is a little different because a lot of the other people that I have interviewed, like I already knew them. Um, and you're the first person that I've interviewed that I didn't actually yes, know girl. ahead of time. So yes, everybody yes. is getting to witness like the beginning of our friendship here. Yes, yes, <laughs> you yes, know? Of course, of course. So thank you so much for being on here. And I'm going to link everything for uh, people to find you and all of your different projects because you have so much helpful stuff out there for people and you're such thank an encouragement. You. So hey. I hope that we get to collaborate more in the future. Yes. Maybe I can come to California. Cause, Do you that. Know, yes. Please. I love Cali. I love, love, love. And bring that cute baby. Oh, <laughs> The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.